Hello and welcome to PMP Mini. I'm Renella. And I am Blue. And we're here to talk about game design, but in a smaller dose than usual. This month, we are talking about two games and how they deal with game breaking boons. So, a lot of games. Month. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Whichever month, fits. Yeah. Just to say, this month, we are talking about two games and how they deal with game breaking boons. So a lot of games have some fundamental mathematics or mechanics that they expect the player to just kind of go along with. And that's the the basic formula of the game. And, and there's all these limitations in place with it. But, you know, sometimes what's really fun about games is when you can just destroy that system, when you can take something and completely break the basic math of a game and feel like you're cheating. This power fantasy can be designed into your game. And sometimes you can balance it out by just giving players an acceptable, you know, downside when if they choose to take it. So the question is very simple here. What are a couple of examples of a suitable downside to break a game's basic math? So the first game we're going to look at is Slay the Spire. Uh, we've talked about Slay the Spire a few times, but it's the card-based roguelite. Yeah, it's it's a classic. For, it has one of, in my opinion, the more fascinating versions of this because so in Slay the Spire, each turn by default you generate three energy points that are used to play cards. Some cards cost less than one. Some cards cost more than one. In general, a lot of the basic actions cost one energy each. So roughly three actions per turn. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a classification of relics called boss relics. And a bunch of them offer you one extra energy at the start of each turn. So adding a full extra potential action into your turn. That's like 25% more. I'm very bad at this math. I don't know why I tried to do this. Like It's 33% more because you start off with three. Start off with three and and then you add one. Getting one extra. That makes sense. So what is acceptable as a downside to just allow the player to do 33% more things every turn? Well, in Slay the Spire's case, you know, there's a variety of them. And some of them are potentially situationally non-important. For example, whenever you open a non-boss chest, obtain a curse. Curses can be played around. Curses aren't the end of a run. They're annoying. And you don't even have to open a non-boss chest. Non-boss chests can be skipped for the rest of the game if you choose to take the energy boon and just be stronger in combat. But hmm. sometimes, you know, one of the other examples is you can no longer rest at rest sites. And so this is the one that really made me think about this example in the first place. This is huge. This means that with your 33% more actions... You better be playing perfectly because outside of special circumstances or events, no longer being able to rest at rest sites means that all damage is permanent. And in a run-based game, like this sort of thing is, I think, really exciting and cool because it's easy in run-based games to get sort of in the trap of playing the way you always do. Oh, I'm always going to pick yeah. the silent and I'm always going to make a you know, poison deck or something. And there might be runs where like, yeah. you should do other things and you might know that, but you, you know, have you set game plan, you might 
vary it a little bit if like you really just don't get the cards you want or something. Yeah. But uh, things like it. this really like force you to make some bigger swings in different directions, perhaps, if you decide to go for one of them. Yeah. And this single point of energy can be a huge difference. And as we talked about, can break the fundamental math of the game. Some of the game's most powerful effects are locked behind three energy, which unless you are set up to reduce the cost of that somehow, which does exist in the game, or through other means of gaining temporary energy, that means that that's your entire turn. And oftentimes you can't afford to take your entire turn to use those cards, but with one extra energy, or potentially if you take two of these across two boss fights, at five energy per turn with two relatively big downsides, you might be able to just run three energy cards. And that could drastically change the way that particular run shapes up as compared to any other run you've done because that's such a drastic increase in basic action economy that it's it's so hard to recontextualize the game from a theoretical perspective. You You just have to play and feel out what is now different from having those extra energy and actions available to you. And one thing that's I that I really like about the Slay the Spire example is like card games I think are sort of famous for having like, you know, they're about building ways to be broken, but they don't necessarily always spell out the like drawbacks on the cards. Like some obviously do, yeah. but a lot of the time it's just like, oh, this card's like a little expensive. Well, this card by itself doesn't seem to you that much. And it's more about like the drawback is often just getting all the pieces on the board at the same time is often mm. the bigger problem in something like magic as opposed to this card is good except for the fact it says you lose the game or something which is not quite what it does like it's closer to that space with these boss relics specifically and you know the the, the question and thought about this particular topic really came about for what is a good enough boon what is a powerful enough effect that you can offer your player to make them take such big downsides Right, Because other boss relics are, you know, small things, relatively, like double the effectiveness of potions. At the end of your turn, you no longer discard your hand. You know, these things are pretty tangible in the way that you can immediately see the impact in your gameplay before you even pick up the the relic. But Mm. for the gain energy ones, for some players, the temptation to just be able to do more is so strong. It never worked out that way for me. I always saw the downside as mostly too prohibitive, but I've definitely watched other players play with the extra energy and it and it really changes their game. So I I am the person that can't resist. Um basically And it's not, I will always take the first one. I will always take the first one. Because it's huge, right? It's such a massive and drastic increase in your capabilities. And it honestly, like, for me, and to be fair, I'm bad at Slay the Spire. Like, I have not ascended once ever uh, and i played this game neither. a lot ascended yeah. what's well, like just finish a run i've never actually finished a run sure um is what i mean really i guess so yeah. despite that i really enjoy this game and i really enjoy like picking these things because i like doing a lot of things in a turn yeah this is just me in all video games <laughs> really you've seen me play a whole bunch like puzzle striking things and yeah, that extra turn, that extra like action economy is just so much fun, even though it almost always results in my death and is the primary reason for it. Yeah. yeah. How how can you as a designer tempt your players to make a decision that will, you know, in 50 percent or higher of the time be the cause of their ruin, right? Be the cause of the end of the run. That's such a cool design space of what can you give the player that will entirely break your game but also 
probably kill them. And that's that's fun. That's a fantastic thing that Slay the Spire does. Yeah. And thinking of like a thing that could be the reason for your death, that's really what that's the main thing about the game I want to bring up does, which is Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, which like a lot of the time we make these sorts of lists like, oh, I would not put these two together, but here they are together at last. Mario Luigi Superstar Saga is the first in the Alpha Dream Mario Luigi sort of variant of Mario RPGs. And these are sort of typical JRPGs focused on a small party size and mm-hmm. timing and of stresses. Mario Luigi less so. They get into larger numbers. Still like small for RPGs, but you are doing yeah. hundreds of damage by the end. I was going to say, I, I think like an average hit by endgame is like 40 I may I think it was a bit okay. larger, but like it's still you're yeah. not getting you're not hitting right. over a thousand damage or anything. Okay, I, I think I remember the last boss is like six thousand health or thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. It's still for the for this kind of the genre, it's small damage things. Uh, it's all yeah. number stuff. But anyway, so most of the game doesn't really have a lot of these sorts of boons. It's mostly a fairly simple game. And there's one accessory that you get as like a fairly simple side quest option, the Great Force. And if any character has it equipped, it causes everything in the game to do double damage you and your opponents as well. What's cool about this in this very specific context is unlike Paper Mario, where you can do correct button timings to reduce damage, in Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga, it's a binary. If you can get the timing right, you will take no damage. And if you get the timing wrong, you will take all the damage. And some attacks have multiple hits, which means you might, you know, yeah, does like one of the attacks and not the other of the attacks, but mm-hmm. same difference. Yeah. What I really love about this is that when you first read it, it sort of seems scary. On the other hand, when you're playing with it, it forces you to play up to the unique strengths of the game. So the game, this accessory that feels like it's game breaking to the player to some extent, actually is more like more game conforming, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because it encourages you to play the way that the game is supposed to be played by perfectly dodging everything and by timing your attacks correctly. Overall, because you're doing combat twice as fast if you're succeeding, you're going to have to make the rolls to avoid attacks less often. You're going to have those skill checks less frequently because you kill everything twice as fast, which really like just ups the fast-paced nature of the game quite pleasantly so there's very little that slog there's like feels like a slog towards the end of the game because you're rapidly working through it yeah it's such a great example like glass cannon mechanics are not unique to this but the fact that perfect play of the game means you never get hit it translates to the fact that the great force is basically just a damage multiplier in the hands of someone who's a master of the game. And I think that the nice thing about getting this game, you sort of get it towards the end of the game, like, you know, the later part of the mid-game, which is not a very clear part to say. But anyway, you get this towards the end of the game, and Mm -hmm. by this point, you've learned that playing well means taking no damage. So you have an idea that the risk is less to you because enemies don't miss you. Like, enemies can't escape your, your wrath. You are hitting yeah. them if you time your button presses correctly. Yeah. And so it does end up being mostly damage multiplier. The game isn't that difficult, but it is targeting, you know, small children. So, yeah. and everyone is risk averse, but everyone's going to try it once and probably like 
you know, if you're not so good at the game, you'll die quickly and never use it again. And if you have picked up on what the game has been trying to teach you the whole thing, you'll be able to engage with the game much more like itself and have that little bit of extra tension in those more difficult battles. Because if you really don't stay focused on them, you might die more suddenly without the chance to come back. Yeah, this is it's really just pushing players to engage more. And that's honestly one of the goals of game design is just play our game more intently, please. Right. Like- yeah. And I think the cool thing about like these two in combination. So Superstar Saga is encouraging play this very singular game more like itself. But Slay the Spire is mechanically like a very broad game. Like you, yeah. there is so much to explore in that game that it's very easy to just have not explored the space. Like maybe I'm giving away that just I'm a bad player of Slay the Spire. Like it's very easy for me to like forget to use potions in general sure. in that yeah. game so you know an artifact that will double the use of potions will or like if i don't have the option to heal at the rest stops i might be more on the lookout for like how potions could help me not take that much damage like i'm going to be more willing to actually use the armor potion or use the potion that will finish combat mm-hmm. so those are all helping me explore the systems all those you know um curses to encourage me to think about what i could do in other runs so they sort of end up functioning potentially as ways to teach the players the broader space of the game. Superstar Saga is sitting there teaching you how to play this very like smaller scope part of this game. Because you are doing all the things. You have to have been dodging attacks to get to the end of the game. But this is just telling you, if you do this well, you will be rewarded, or you can push the rewards even harder. Yeah. And and sometimes Slay the Spire's, you know, unique downsides play into the thing that you don't want to deal with. For example, there is in fact an item that says gain one energy at the start of each turn. You can no longer obtain potions. Yes. Sometimes it just reinforces what you don't want to do. Yeah. Which is fine. Why solve bad habits when you can just get rewarded for having them? (laughs) I never use potions anyway. This is just good. Oh, well, that makes me feel better because you were comparatively the better player. And you still don't use them. Uh, doesn't I mean, mean that either is a good player. It just means that no. I feel less bad about my skill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's all such a a great way to have dynamic feeling games because like so with Slay the Spire, it's pretty obvious how the dynamism comes in, right? You 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 don't know which one of these routes you're going to get, and if you're committed to taking one, you just have to work around the new drawback that you have for the rest of the run. But even in Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, there is a bit of dynamism of just I think I know these enemies really well. Perfect time to equip the Great Force, and then oh, I'm coming up against this boss or this area that I haven't explored yet, I've never seen before. Maybe the conservative line, even though battles might take twice as long, is to unequip it. And that might give you double the amount of time to try to learn the mechanics of the enemy's attacks so that then you can then feel comfortable equipping it and cutting down in the future. I've definitely had a few times when I played this game originally where I was, you know, dealing with the final boss and trying to, you know, failing to get through the boss. So I Mm. de-equipped it to then like have the more time, just like learn the patterns. And then I would re-equip it and blitz through it perfectly because I had the extra time. It's kind of like, you know, doing a rhythm games very hard mode with like the no fail mode option on a little bit. Yeah. To just like practice yeah. that timing out, get through the whole thing, or not the whole thing in this boss case, but you more of it. To see those patterns, see the part the later phase of the fight that has a unique attack that I wouldn't be able to learn if I was just dying immediately. Yeah, without the tension of, oh, I'm gonna take double the damage. Yeah. If I fail. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And I love this part of game design. 
And there are two big tricks here, like got to be a big enough reward that a player will take a drawback. Yep. Like you talked about in the math of like the drawback has to be big enough for it to be game breaking. But mm. players are risk averse. That's right. Like I think more players would equip the um, ideal half damage and take half damage item than yeah. the do double, take double. Yeah. And that's just because like players are naturally very risk averse. We've talked about that a lot in like our dominant strategies, um, sort of mm-hmm. mini series and things. and. Yeah, and getting players, because you even mentioned you don't tend to take the one extra action and significant no. downside thing. No, I don't. Yeah. And it's really, and maybe like the math is genuinely saying you're correct, but that is the big trick. And like double damage is a real compelling thing in Super Star Saga because they've set up that you can take zero damage by the point you've gotten it. Yep. You, you should have internalized it by that point. Yeah. yeah. Slay the Spire, it's a little more tricky because it's hard to not have the rest points yeah 100 percent. and conversely some strategies literally are closed to you forever if you don't have the extra energy if you don't have the capability to do more in a turn you literally can't play certain cards or the consistency of certain cards goes down so much that they are a detriment to your deck yeah so does slay the spire have four cost cards yes okay it does it, it's I, i'm not sure how often you would see them but it has uh, costs over three, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, and they may have like some uh, other side of it where there might be special conditions where you can lower the cost of those cards. But yes, mm-hmm. there are cards over the three energy uh, from memory at least. Either that or I'm conflating it with a bunch of other um, action economy games that I've played in the past while. <laughs> Yeah. Well, at least a mod of Slay the Spire probably has forecast cards. So, four yes, cost cards. so yes, we can say that we're probably right, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Yeah. I, I think that is the gist of it. That's that's the the majority of things that we want to talk about. This. Yeah. And with that, let's have our little wrap up. Thank you for listening. As always, we hope that you're enjoying the new format as much as we are enjoying exploring it. If you've got a favorite drawback or boon, be sure to tell us. You can find us on the Pixels of Breakfast Discord, Twitter, and at least myself on Mastodon now. Um, this show is not only on our own website, but also the wonderful Pixels of Breakfast that helps us promote and shares it alongside some of our other work. I've written a bit more about like my backlog progression over this year. And by the time this comes out, I should have written some impressions about the tactical RPG by some ex-Fire Emblem staff and Ender Lilies staff. Redemption Reapers. Blue, you're also doing a few things, I think. Yes, I have a few things in the background. Yeah. Um, If you want to hear me talk with the wonderful Pixels for Breakfast, Heller Fent himself, Steve Heller, um, we cover gaming news every fortnight and release a podcast that is uh, initially live streamed on YouTube and then later released on your favorite uh, podcast platforms. So feel free to check us out there. Uh, It's a good time. It's a really interesting time in the industry. And yeah, if you want to just keep up to date at a pretty casual level, we will we will serve you well. There there are worse places you can go than the Pixels for Breakfast podcast. And maybe I'm biased because I also do a podcast with you, but I think (laughs) it's a really fun little podcast. I think you guys having insight as people who've done game dev and worked on the industry side of things a little more than some other people might have. You often have a lot of interesting insights into what the impact of things might be. That's how true is it? It's normally quite invisible. But at least like a little different in the kind of reads that other organizations might have on it, which I think is pretty neat. Yep. And with Uh, that, thank you for listening. 